All right, so let's kick this off with a really informal poll. You, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand if, okay? So you know how this, <laughs> let me get to the question, right? So right now, and I'm, I'm giving you warning because I know I'm, I'm an introvert. So if you are an introvert and you're visiting for the first time, welcome. It's so good to have you. If you're an extrovert, welcome. It's good to have you too. But as an introvert, anytime that I hear the speaker even hint at crowd participation, I like, I can feel my, I get a little panicky on the inside and I'm like, oh God, please don't let him call me up. So I'm not going to call you up, but I am going to ask you to engage, okay? All you have to do to engage is take your right hand or your left hand and raise it if what I say applies to you. Make sense? And you will not be the only one. I'm trusting y'all, okay? This is, we don't have a big joke set up so that only you are, you're the only one that's not in and you're going to raise your hand. No, everybody's going to, everybody's going to acknowledge. Are you ready? Here's, here's the question. Raise your hand if you've ever wished you had more time to get things done. See how easy that was? Now, I was trying to look around. I'm pretty sure we had 100% participation on that. So we're 100% in the affirmative that everybody in the room would take more time to get things done if it was possible. Okay, that's very, very important. Um, this, this month we've been looking at this series called Rhythms. It's all out of Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. Okay, so th this is the deal. We can't take, and we'll read it in a second, we can't take our experiences and put them onto the Bible and say that our experience is true and the Bible is not. Right? We have to take the Bible and what it says, and if it doesn't quite line up with our experience, then it, the, it's user error right? We're missing something, maybe not doing something quite right. It's, it's on us to understand the Bible, to apply the Bible. So this morning, what we talk about, I'm just letting you know, is one of those things where we're going to be like, I know because all 100% of us raised our hands, we're all going to kind of go, oh man, I am not doing this well. But we're all in this together, right? I feel like we should sing that. We're all in this together. Okay, now Matthew chapter Boy, that's how you can figure out the age demographic of your church, isn't it? Right there. Like, we need people that know that song. Okay. I could have called some people up to dance to that song, and that would have been super, super awkward and yet so video worthy. So Matthew 11, verses 28 through 30, um, we're, we're going to read this. It says this. This is from the message translation. I love this. It's on the screen for you. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. That's the phrase that, that we've highlighted a lot this month So this, in this rhythm series. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Doesn't that sound good? Right? Sounds good. So let's just quickly, let's just recap. Everything we've talked about in this rhythm series is in these verses. Okay, we'll leave that up for you. Just check this out. The one who's speaking these words, if we had a Bible and it was red letter Bible, these would be in red letters because this is who talking? Jesus. That was almost as easy as that first question, right? This is Jesus talking. And I told you in the very first week, if we're going to have rhythms in our life, we have to establish a beat. Right? We talked about bad dancing. People that dance, they can't hear the beat, but they dance anyway, and you're just like, you want them to stop it, yet you want to get the video first, right? 
you got to have a beat. And so we need a savior, somebody outside of ourselves, to establish the beat. I mean, I think that we all just in a minute ago proved that we cannot establish the beat of our lives, right? That's why we keep running out of time. And there's more things to do. You got to have a savior. You got to have somebody to establish the beat. He calls us to get away. He says, Get away with me and you'll recover your life. In the second week, we talked about silence and solitude. Mm, that's countercultural, right? Silence and solitude. He says, Get away with me. You got to have that rhythm in your life. He invites us to keep company with him. Last week, we were talking about, um, two weeks ago, we were talking about serving. If you keep company with Jesus, Jesus was the servant king, he was always serving. I mean, his disciples were always thinking things like, but you're the king. Why are you doing, why are you grabbing a towel in a basin? Why are you walking into a place and serving people? They should be serving you. Didn't you say that you were the king? And so we know this, if we actually do get away with him, if we actually spend time with him, if we keep company with Jesus, then we're going to become servants. You cannot serve Jesus and not end up serving people. It's not possible. Last week we talked about scripture. Just going to remind you, who spoke these words? Jesus. Where did he hear these words? From the Father. Right? We talked about that last week. He would get away, often get away, and he spent time with the, with the Father. And here's what he told people all the time. I, mean, I can't recap all the scriptures. You can get last week's video and watch it. But he told people all the time, look, I spent time with the Father, and what I heard him say are the words that I'm saying to you. Jesus would say, do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? They came from my Father. He's just like, I'm just relaying the message. And so we know this. If we're going to have rhythms in our lives, one of those rhythms has got to be Scripture. It's got to be Scripture. When we talked last week about Psalm 119.11, right? I have hidden your word in my container of ping pong balls that I might not sin against you, right? We talked about when we fill ourselves with the truth, then lies don't have a place in us, okay? So this morning, all that to get to this morning. This is the last morning. Um, we're going to highlight the, the oh, sorry, you're good. We're going to highlight the part of that verse that says, I'll show you, I'll give you a real rest. You'll find a real rest, okay? How many of you could um, take a rest right now? You're like, if you preach better, I wouldn't be raising my hand. Yes, you would. I know how that works. Um, let's, go, let's go a little Greek on you. Can we do that? Um, how would you define a real rest? Here's, a, here's some, some ways that we might define a real rest. Sleeping in without setting an alarm. Can I get an amen? I thought I'd get a bigger reaction out of that. Like it's one thing to sleep in and wake up before your alarm because you set a little further out. But those nights when you go to bed and you're like, I ain't setting the alarm. Come on, that's real rest. Especially if the kids are gone. Yes, amen. That was a very loud amen. There will be marriage counseling later for that one. It's fantastic. Uh, other ways that we can define rest. Um, how about this? Any vacation longer than the last one you took. Right? Because you came back from your vacation. You were like, seven weeks? Nah. I mean, seven, oh, seven weeks. Wow. <laughs> Somebody's like, that was a prophetic word, and I'm claiming it, baby. I'm taking that one, right? I mean, if you went away for seven days, you came back going, maybe ten's the the time that we should go next time. If you, can't, if you went for 10 days, you, you came back going maybe 12. I'm t t yeah, 12 days, right? Not 12 weeks. It's always, if I could just go a little bit longer. Maybe it's a real rest is one more vacation than you've already had, right? 
There's all kinds of ways that we can define real rest. Maybe real rest, and this does sound tempting, is winning the lottery and never working again. Turn to the person next to you and say, ah, it's not happened for me yet. And it never will, right? Tell people all the time, someday God might allow me to win the lottery, but it'll be because I found the ticket on the ground that somebody else threw down, and I'll pick it up and go turn it in and win. It'll be fantastic. And I will tithe. Thank you, Jesus, right? All of us would define, we would define it differently for sure, no doubt about it. Uh, so this morning, I want to define for you how Jesus defined, give you how he defined a real rest. When he said that phrase, I will give you a real rest, here's this Greek word. It's A-N-A-P-A-U-O, anapao. You want to say it with me? Anapao. So in case you were paying attention, the first four letters spell a nap. It's good news, right? Some of y'all are already applying it, I see. And that's the person next to you and tell them to wake up. I'm still preaching. Anapawa, right? So the first four letters is a nap, and that's good. That's going to be like a little memory key for you, okay? So this word for rest in Matthew 11:28, that word for rest in the Greek, literally the first four letters spells a nap. And here's what it means. It means to cause or permit one to cease from any movement or labor in order to recover and collect his strength. Or to give rest, refresh, to give oneself rest, to take rest. Or to keep quiet of calm and patient expectation. Sabbath. I bet you've never said the word Sabbath in a real conversation in your life. We say stuff like, How, how's, man, this weather's crazy, isn't it? Man, the Panthers are back in training camp. Yeah, and Sabbath is going great too. You ain't never said that word, right? So we're talking this morning about Sabbath. Like that's one of the rhythms that we want to have in our lives is a Sabbath rest. And so let's at least figure out what Sabbath was in the Bible. In the Old Testament for the Jews, a Sabbath was literally a 24-hour period of no work. It was rest. Like you can find stories in the Bible where um, actually that stuff called manna that God would provide every morning, he actually told them, I will give you double manna the morning before the Sabbath so you don't have to work on the Sabbath to get manna so you can just rest. That's what it was. A nap. Intentional pause button, pick it up the next day. That's what Sabbath means. A lot of people think that the, the Hebrew word for Sabbath means seventh, that it has to happen on the, on the seventh day, but the Hebrew word for, for Sabbath just means rest. So what do we need based on that 100% survey we took earlier? We probably need rest, but it doesn't make any sense because what we all agreed to was we actually need more time to get more things done because we keep running out of time before we run out of tasks. But Sabbath is actually saying, I'm stopping. We, we find it, let me read to you in Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 through 11. This is actually found when, when God was giving the Israelites the Ten Commandments. And here's, here's how he said it. Remember the, to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. You have six days each week for your ordinary work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. On that day, no one in your household may do any work. This includes you, your sons and daughters, your male and female servants, 
your livestock, and any foreigners living among you. For in the six days the Lord made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and everything in them. But on the seventh day he rested. And that's why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and set it apart as holy. Can you imagine being a teenager in a Jewish family? And your dad sits down and says, we need to have a family meeting. We're going to work all of our work on six days, but on that seventh day, no one's doing nothing. Oh, Dad, really? We can't do any work? Like mow the grass? I can't use the weedy? Are you serious? Like a whole day of just blah, nothing? That's what it's going to be. Score, right? Like Jewish teenagers were like, this is the best thing ever. They loved it. Six days you do all your work, seventh day, nothing. Why? Because that's what the Lord did all the way back to creation. So I believe that this rhythm in our life is going to help us with our 100% survey that we took earlier. Now, some of you are going to push back and you're going to say, yeah, that's Old Testament. So it, it, once Jesus, Jesus came, there's no more Sabbath keeping. It's all New Testament. I'm, just going to, I'm not going to read these. Just jot these down, okay? I'm going to say them fast. Just references. You can look them up later. You should probably do this later. Mark chapter 2, verse 27. Luke 23:56. Luke 4:16. Hebrews 4, 9. I know I lost you three verses ago. Acts 17, 21. Mark 6, 2. That's just six places in the New Testament where the Sabbath is referenced. Okay, so this is not an Old Testament thing. This is not, well, if you're not Jewish, you don't have to do it. This is a New Testament thing, right? This is part of the Christian life, the Sabbath rest. In fact, Hebrews 4, 11 tells us this. Make every effort to enter into this rest. So here's what we're going to do this morning. I'm going to give you two guidelines about how to practice the Sabbath, and then we'll close out with three words. Just three. Everybody say three. Three words, people, that prove 100% that God still honors the Sabbath today. I know you're excited. You're like, just skip to the three words. I can't do it. I can't. I'm a preacher. I can't do that. I can't, I can't just skip to the end. Here we go. Point number one. These are guidelines to help you. Because, listen, here, can I be honest, full disclosure? Of all the things we've talked about in the, in the rhythm series, this is the one that I feel least qualified. You know why? I raise my hand too, right? Like we're always running out of time before we run out of tasks. None of us feels like if I had less time, I could get more done. But that's what the Sabbath is about. And so I, this is like we're going to journey this one together. Is that cool? So these are guidelines that can help us as we figure out how to do the Sabbath. Here's the first one. The Sabbath is designed to charge us up not prop us up. There's, a, there's a, a misunderstanding about the Sabbath, and here's how it goes. Yeah, I need a Sabbath because I really need a, I need a break, man. I'm just dog tired. Yeah, we get tired, right? I mean, the first, first question Jesus asked in our passage, are you tired? How many of you were like, yeah. We get tired. But God took a day of rest. And how many of you know that God didn't get tired? I don't think that God created the whole world, everything we know in six days, and he was like, I am exhausted. <sighs> I need a break. Whew. <sighs> he didn't take a break because he was tired. He took a break because he was showing us a rhythm. We, the Sabbath is not about being tired. The Sabbath is about trusting God. The Sabbath is designed to charge us up, not prop us up. 
The Greek word said, cease from labor in order to collect your strength. Listen, how many of you have a device that looks like this? Well, depending on what device you have, yours may hold a charge longer than mine, right? <laughs> but why do we plug these things up? To charge them so that we can use them, right? So just if we just took our devices and used them very quickly as just a, as a, just a visual, how many of you, now not because you were somewhere in a remote location, you didn't have a, like a portable charger and you didn't have a, a, any plug, nothing like that. You're just totally stranded, just your phone, and like you watched it hit 20, and then you watched it hit 10, and you're driving home, and you're like, oh, I'm in like a remote location. If something bad happens now, I can still go, oh, 3%, what? Like you're cutting everything off. You can, you're not even breathing, right? If I, can, I just got to make it home. That's kind of how a lot of us have treated the Sabbath. I'm going to work myself to the bone if I can just make it to the weekend. But God gave the Sabbath for another reason, to charge us up, to not see how close we can redline the device or our bodies or our lives, but to actually charge us up for something. That's the intent of the Sabbath. We practice the Sabbath because we trust, not because we're tired. We get charged up for something. Um, how many of you tend to think of the night as the end of the day? That's, I mean, because that's how our calendar, we like midnight and the day starts and then we go to bed. But you know, back in the day, I mean, way back in the day, go back to the creation story, this phrase is found multiple times in the Bible. And there was evening and there was morning the first day. And there was evening and there was morning the second day. And y'all have read that your whole lives and you're like, what's the point? The point is that's so backwards, isn't it? We live like there's morning then evening. And that's a day. But they lived evening to morning, which means the first part of their day was doing what? We hope, right? Unless they had a newborn, and then it was just wishing they could sleep, right? Can I get an amen, a tired amen from the parents in the house? Like, So listen, just think about that as a rhythm, right? Think about that just as a shift in the way that we even think of Sabbath. It was designed to charge us up for something, not prop us up from something. I mean, I know some of y'all, you are running yourselves ragged and trying to squeeze in a little bit of chance to breathe. And that's not Sabbath. There's no trust involved in that at all. It's like I'm trying to make all this stuff work on my time, my agenda. I can't give God anything. And he says, man, if you would just give me time to charge you up, you would come out of that ready to go. I love that when rest props us up, we hope we get enough. But when it charges us up, we make sure we get enough. Guess what I don't do on Saturday nights anymore? <laughs> Who said party? <laughs> it's actually true. I mean, it depends on how you define party. Like, I still party, and I party hard. Like, watching the news at 9 o'clock, you know, I'm so thankful for early news. Eating some pizza, and I go to bed. I don't stay up till 3 in the morning. On Saturday nights. I mean, unless it's an emergency or something comes up or whatever, you know. But you know why? I'd like to not fall asleep as I preach to you. I don't. I think you'd also like me to stay awake because, like, so even think about that. I'm sleeping on Saturday night to prepare for, right? Some of you are like, why can't I stay awake in church? Why doesn't Paul preach better? Because you don't sleep on Saturday night. 
I couldn't preach any better than this. And you would, it's just, we deplete, 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 1%, 1%. Oh, God, phone's dead. But the Sabbath is actually a gift to you for God to charge you up. So I love this creation. God works for six days and he rested on the seventh. So what we've done is we've made that a pattern, right? So let's work for six days and rest on the seventh. Except for here's the thing. Check this out. I love this. And some of you are reading this book called Call to Rain. So I can't take credit for this. This is in that book and I love this. Just check this out. God worked six days and rest on the seventh. But who did he create on the sixth day? Mankind, right? Us. So their first day was the seventh day. And what did they do on their first day? They rested. I mean, have you ever felt like you can't take a break because you have so much to do? You're Adam, right? So we'll just play, like, you're Adam, which means you're Eve, which means y'all are Cain and Abel. So that's super weird. That just didn't work out at all. I'm sorry. We'll just stick with Adam and Eve. So you're Adam, and you're Eve, and you're, you're created. And God says, now that you're here, I got some things I want you to do. I'd like for you to be fruitful and multiply, and you're like, score, and rule the earth. And you're like, uh, God, there's a lot of earth here. I know. Well, I, God, I guess I should get to it. Actually, no, let's, let's just hang out for the first day. Let's just chill together. But, but I, can't, I can't, I don't know if I can do that, God. There's a lot to get done. Trust me. Invest with me. That's the Sabbath. That was their first day. They had an entire creation to subdue. They had a longer to-do list than we'll ever have. And some of you are super busy. I'm not discounting it, but they had a really long to-do list. And their first day, God said, just rest with me. There's a pattern here. There's something for us to learn here. Time with God fuels everything that we do for God. Here's the second guideline. The Sabbath is designed to free us up, not tie us up. So how should we spend the time? How should we spend our Sabbath? What exactly should we do and what exactly should we not do? And here's what I would like to say to you. You know people, right? You know what people love to do? They love to create. It starts with an R and ends with rules. Rules. People love to make rules. They love to create rules. And with the Sabbath, it's no different. Actually, the religious leaders in Jesus' day, they were always creating rules. They had rules, listen, for how far you could walk on the Sabbath, what you could eat on the Sabbath, what you could not eat on the Sabbath, what you could say on the Sabbath, not say, do, not do. They got mad at Jesus because he healed a man on Sabbath. They actually figured out how far you could walk on the Sabbath before it would turn into work. I know some of y'all, you're like, one step, baby, I'm out, right? <laughs> That's it for me. I have some last work. But they had measured how far you could walk before if you took another step, you'd break the Sabbath. And they would actually, they would, they had these little loopholes where like if there was a place of resting, then you could stop and rest there. And in order for it to rest, to be a resting place, you had to have food. And so what they would do is, this is crazy to me, the day before the Sabbath, if they knew they had to make a journey on the Sabbath, they would go out, they would measure the distance to where they had to stop, and they would put food there, and they would measure the distance and put food there so that on the Sabbath they could walk the, the, the maximum amount of steps, and then they would eat, and that was a place of rest. So, like, by law they could do that, and then they could keep walking on the Sabbath. It's a loophole, y'all. Their heart wasn't in it. Like, I'm going to find a way to get my work done. 
And, and here's what they did. Not only did they do that, but Matthew 23, 4 says this. Jesus said this about the Pharisees. They crush people with unbearable religious demands and never lift a finger to ease the burden. I mean, they would tie people up with heavy burdens. They made the Sabbath hard. But the Sabbath is designed to free us up, not tie us up. So the Sabbath should be full of things that charge you up. I don't know what your list will be like. Here's a couple. Worship with friends and family. You know why church attendance is so important? Well, because the pastor said I had to come. Who's going to pay for this place? That's God. Right? I mean, I hope he does it through you, but if you don't give, he'll find a way. He's not worried about that one bit. Church is important because we could, man, I stood here, I still, I know we're just two weeks in. I hope this is my heart like 20 years in, right? I'm still standing there going, I can't believe I'm standing here. I can't believe I'm standing here and I'm listening to my family sing worship to God. And my soul is like, my Jesus level just starts going, ding, 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 ding. Like it just fills me up. I'm, just, I'm, I'm charged up in my soul. This charges my soul. Worship together charges us up. Time with our Father. I mean, maybe some of you would, would want to go run. Maybe that charges you up. I know. If you're one of those people, everybody else in the whole world is like, you are sick. But I don't know, right? I don't know. Read a book. I read, in a, I read a great book about a guy, and, and he was talking about his Sabbath rhythms, and he said, for him, it's yard work. And I was like, that is insane. And he said, because it's not yard work for him. It's like yard therapy. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand if you can relate to that, because I would look at you funny, right? Yard therapy, that's crazy. Yard therapy to me is like gas on the, just gone. Anyway, sorry, honey, that I just said that out loud. So can I just give you some really simple rules uh, or guidelines what charges your soul? Do that. What drains your soul? Don't do that. <laughs> Some of you are like, Paul's preaching drains my soul. I'm out. <laughs> You're packing up right now. You're like, I'm done. I mean, but generally speaking, what charges you up? Do those things. What drains you? Don't do those things. Which means that on the Sabbath, whatever your Sabbath is, whenever your Sabbath is, probably a lot less social media. Probably a lot less of this. Maybe that's a good time to set this aside and let it charge as you're charging as well. So find the things that charge you up and do them. Find the things that drain you and stop them on that day. Mark chapter 2, verse 27. Then Jesus said to them, the Sabbath was made to meet the needs of people and not people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. I just want to make sure that you hear these things. I want you to be free. I don't want you to feel tied up. Like, oh, gosh, there's a list. Or Paul's going to publish a list on Facebook this week, and I can't get it on the Sabbath because I'll be off of social media. But when will I get that list, and can I even do them? And, oh, my God, that's not the way it's supposed to work. Your list will not look like my list, and that's okay. But I think there should be a list, right? I'm, I'm praying about that in my own life. God, what, what's the Sabbath look like for me? Just a couple more verses. Colossians chapter 2, verse 16. You're free to choose your Sabbath list of do's and don'ts. Here's what it says. So don't let anyone condemn you for what you eat or drink or for not celebrating certain holy days or new moon ceremonies or Sabbaths. There's no condemnation here. 
right? This isn't like we're checking up on you. Like we're not raising a church full of Sabbath police, so don't apply, right? We don't need, we don't need Sabbath police. We just need Sabbath practitioners. You know what I'm saying. Romans 14.5. Paul says this, In the same way, some think one day is more holy than another day, while others think every day is alike. You should each be fully convinced that whichever day you choose is acceptable. Specifically about the Sabbath, what we're learning is you're free to choose what you practice on the Sabbath, and you're free to choose when you practice your Sabbath. I would not recommend the busiest day at your work. Uh, yeah, boss, I can't help you out. It's my Sabbath. He'll call you back. Yeah, boss, what's up? I can practice Sabbath forever? What? <laughs> we don't want that to happen, right? So I would not pick your busiest week. Sorry, guys, can't help you out. I'm practicing Sabbath, right? But, but find a way, to, a time, whatever. The point here is that you're free. Does that make sense? You're free. So we want to be charged up and we want to be freed up. Okay? Now, I told you three words, right? I told you I would give you three words that are 100% proof positive that God still honors the Sabbath. Are you ready for these three words? Now, my guess is, and we're going to have them on the screen. I'll say them. But my guess is that these, are, these words are so familiar to you, so familiar, that possibly by the time I say the first one, you're going to know what they are. But I know by the time I get to the second one, you're going to want to scream out the third word. Now, I know what you're thinking. This is just like the beginning. It's like, a, it's like a trap. It's not a trap. I'm just telling you, something's going to rise up in your soul as I'm saying these words. Something's going to rise up. And by the time I get to the third word, you're not going to be able to contain yourself. And you're going to, almost going to want to stand in the chairs and scream it out. I'm not recommending you stand in the chairs and scream. But I'm just saying you're going to feel like you want to. It's going to be that amazing. Are you ready? So I got, I got three words. I'm going to say the first one. And you, just, you join in whenever you want to. Three words. Undeniable proof, 100% proof that God still honors the Sabbath today. Are you sure you're ready? Because I am so jacked. I'm so hype right now. Here's the first word. Here we go. Chick, Phil. Hey, you got it. Good job. Chick, Phil, hey. These are three words. Undeniable proof. That God still honors the Sabbath. Can I get a witness in the house, people? Can I get a witness? Come on, come on. So I thought about having them deliver chicken nuggets today. But it's Sunday, y'all. And Chick-fil-A is practicing the Sabbath. Check this out. A couple stats about Chick-fil-A. I found this in an article. The article is actually called... Why Chick-fil-A's restaurants sell four times as much as KFC? I don't know if you're a KFC people. I love their mashed potatoes and gravy. It's probably not even real, but I love it, right? It's so, so good. I will die eating fake mashed potatoes and gravy. It's so, so good. So KFC and Chick-fil-A, they're competitors, right? Chicken and chicken, okay? So just a couple things for you to know. I, this just blew my mind. Chick-fil-A generates more revenue per restaurant than any. I didn't write this. Somebody else wrote this, okay? Um, I didn't write it. I'm just, I'm just reading you what they wrote. I love this. The company generates more revenue per restaurant than any other fast food chain in the United States, and it's only open six days a week. Average earnings per store, 
4.4 million in 2016. KFC, number two. Now, this is in the chicken category, okay? Uh, in, overall, in overall categories, Chick-fil-A in 2016 was the number eight fast food restaurant. Number one in chicken, number eight overall, okay? But they have seven times fewer stores than McDonald's, okay? McDonald's is number one. I don't know why. Because they go to McDonald's anywhere else in Albemarle, right? That's why. <laughs> Guarantee it. So late at night, it's crazy. Turn the ice cream machine on, please. <laughs> if you're here and you work at McDonald's, can I just bless you right now? I bless you in Jesus' name. God's going to give you power and authority over that ice cream machine, and you're going to make it work, and I'm going to benefit from it because late at night, baby, I want a milkshake, somebody. Come on, anyway. So, so anyway, Chick-fil-A is number eight overall. But, but in the chicken category in 2016, they... They were number one. KFC was number two. Now, if you look at the stores, and KFC has a lot more stores than Chick-fil-A. Stores, $4.4 million per store, Chick-fil-A is what they made in 2016. KFC number two, $1.1 million. That's four times as much, y'all, four times as much, and they're closed one day a week. It is the saddest. Like My family, we're going to load up this evening and go to the beach. Thank you, Jesus, right? On the way to the beach, we're going to get hungry, and we're going to be like, why can't they just open on Sunday? What is wrong with Chick-fil-A? Why can't they just open on Sunday? But check this out. Okay, I want to make sure you get this. I know i got to wrap this up. I'm having way too much fun now, but i got to wrap this up. I want to make sure you get this. Chick-fil-A is undoubtedly a Christian company. Right? They make no bones about it. They no compromise. They, they love Jesus. They're honoring Jesus. They are a Christian company. They are selling what is undoubtedly the Christian bird. Right? I mean, you go to a potluck supper, a, a fellowship supper at a church, and what, do they, what does everybody bring? Chicken. I mean, Christians can eat them some chicken, Right? And so they are in the market selling a Christian food item. The chicken's not Christian, but you know what I'm saying. Give me grace. On the one day when Christians invade restaurants, they can't invade that one. And they're still kicking chicken butt. Why is that? Because they're honoring the Sabbath. You're going to say, oh, but they got great customer service. You know why they have great customer service? Their employees aren't tired. You know why some churches have bad customer service? The servants are tired. There's no margin. Nobody smiles anymore. So I will argue all day long that Chick-fil-A has honored the Sabbath. They've honored the Lord by honoring the Sabbath. And because they've honored the Lord and honored the Sabbath, the Lord is honoring them, and they're able to bless their employees. They don't even pay as much as other places. People get less money, not a lot less, but they get less at Chick-fil-A, and they want to be there because Chick-fil-A invests in people because they have energy. They got charged up, and now they can invest in people. Now, I have done the most horrific thing today. I have closed a service talking about Chick-fil-A on the one day you can enjoy it. But tomorrow, 
All y'all are going to go to Concord, Salisbury, somewhere. You're going to find a Chick-fil-A. And a very, apparently someday we're going to have one here. This is a rumor that I've heard. I'm not convinced it's true, but it is true, isn't it? Is it tr- actually true or is it just a lot of heads are nodding yes, but I feel like it's full of faith. I don't know. Oh, it was in the snap. So, yes, it's, it's happening. It's, it's definitely happening. Y'all, y'all are, people are here for the first time. You're like, y'all put up with this every week? Seriously? Like, does anybody else preach here? Yes, better people than me. I'm just filling in today, apparently. This is my last sermon at the gathering ever, but I'm going out with Chick-fil-A. That's good stuff. Here's the point. Man, if a company, if a company can do what they do, how much more is God going to do it for you? Can I, can I give you the big idea? Here's the big idea. The Sabbath reminds us that God does more as we do less. It makes no sense. No sense. And, and, and as we wrap this up, and we're going to give you a chance to respond, I need you to kind of play the role of the Israelites, okay? I want you to hear how, because this is countercultural. There's no doubt about it. Everything's still open on Sunday. Chick-fil-A is just not normal, right? Everything's open because they want to get as much money as they can, as long as they can. We live in a culture that is seven days a week, 24-7, the whole deal. So this is very countercultural, but it was also countercultural for the Israelites. Here's how I know. Remember that verse that we read earlier in Exodus when God was giving them the Ten Commandments? They were slaves for 430 years in Egypt before that. Guess how many days off they got? None. Egypt worked their slaves around the clock 24-7. They got no breaks, no days off, no margin, no rest. Music teachers in the house. I played saxophone. So like when I was playing saxophone, my favorite part of the music was that little squiggly line that meant I can breathe there. It's called a rest. If you didn't have a rest, I mean, at some point, like the band could sound great for, I don't know, 30 seconds or so, and then red faces, and they just start passing out onto the floor, right? I mean, if you can't stop and breathe, the singer's in the house. It's, you got to, like, work in time to breathe, like, while you're singing. Like, you know, Parker and Sydney, they're, they're in, and Sam's in it. They're in this, the musical Cinderella, and, like, you just watch them. They're singing, they're dancing, they're singing, they're dancing, and someone knows they got to breathe. Like, you got to stagger, like, I, stagger. Okay, you breathe on this, you breathe. You got to make sure people breathe. The Israelites didn't know how to breathe. The Egyptians didn't let them. So, listen, for 430 years, this was their existence. We work nonstop around the clock, and we never get it done because they had an impossible quota. And when they asked to be able to go out, Pharaoh said, well, now we're not even going to provide you the stuff you needed. You're going to have to get it on your own, but we're going to still have the same quota. They they never met quota. I mean, some of y'all are in sales, right? You know what it's like to have bad bosses in sales? Like they just keep raising the quota and make and giving you less to do it with. And that was the Israelites. And so when God took them out of that and he gave them the commandments, one of the commandments, he said, look, I want you to take a day and honor me on it. Like what? I mean, your mission is bigger than Egypt. And you want us to, it was so foreign to them. Do 
not work. Don't let don't do the things that drain you. Let me give you a day to charge you up. And so for the, as counterculture as this is for us to hear, it was so much more for them. 430 years, seven days a week, work, no margin. And all of a sudden, the God of the universe says, by the way, of these 10 things I'd like you to do, man, this one's super important. Remember the Sabbath day. Keep it holy. Set it apart. Don't fill it with stuff. Fill it with me. And this is what he was saying. I promise you, I'll do more as you do less. Now, we all raise our hands. We've all got 100% participation on, I need more time because i got a lot of tasks. As a matter of fact, some of you are still like, you've got these silent alarms that went off on your phone to remind you that I should be done now. Right? Yeah, that was 15 minutes ago, Pastor. Come on. I mean, I get it. We've got stuff to do. But can I just call you to this rhythm? Would you trust God to do more as you do less? Would you start to ask him, what day could I set aside? Uh, okay, Paul, you're crazy. I can't even do it a whole day. Ask him, what's, what six hours could I set aside? Four. Can I get one? What can I set aside? How, where could I begin? And fill it with things that feed your soul. Hey, kids, go outside and play for another hour. Crank up some Bethel, right? Dance like no one's watching. But your kids are watching through the window. You know they are, right? Man, just how can you start? And I want to I pray this morning that you could start. Would you just close your eyes, bow your heads, and just in this moment, would you just kind of take an inventory of your life? And, and this is, man, this applies to all of us, from the youngest to the oldest. And we're just talking about work, right? We're just talking about the things that we have to get done. Would you just invite God into your heart, into your mind right now? How many of you here, you love Jesus, no doubt about it. You, if you died right now, you're going to heaven, but your life is squeezed. And this message about a rest day is like, man, if I could just snap my fingers and be there, I want to be there. But I'm willing to start the process. Would you just raise your hand and say, that's me. I'm willing to start somewhere, and I'm going to ask God to give me some wisdom. Awesome. Hands everywhere. Thank you so much. Before I pray for you that raised your hands, can I just bring this back to the gospel for just a moment? We don't have time to read all of Hebrews chapter 4, but if you read the first 11 verses in Hebrews chapter 4, here's what the author of Hebrews is writing. He says, we read our verse earlier, that there still remains a rest, and he says, be diligent to enter into that rest. And what he says in 11 verses is, the law was not enough to stop us from feeling we have to work all the time. This feeling that we have to work all the time is a part of sin. It's not because you're a type A overachiever. It's part of sin. And we take it into the workplace, but what he paints for us in Hebrews chapter 4 is that we have always feel like we have to work our way out of the mess we're in. And so they had this law. And he says, if the law of Moses could have done it, then we wouldn't have still had it. And if it could have done it, then Joshua would not have come along and said, hey, also, let's keep the law. But Joshua took you into the promised land, and even that didn't do it. And he says, so there still remains today a rest that we're all striving to get into. But somebody did it. His name is Jesus. Hebrews 4 is clear that Jesus' work on the cross ended our need to kill ourselves to work our way out of sin problems. 
his sacrifice on the cross allows you and I to breathe and to trust in what he did for our salvation. You do not have to work your way to heaven. You can't. And Hebrews says we don't have to. How is the Sabbath a part of salvation? Because it pointed people to the fact that you, you don't have to do all the work. God is taking care of that. And today, if you're here and you, you resonate with that, and you, you're like, I've never accepted Jesus as my Savior. I've never chosen to follow Him. I felt like I had to be a good person to get into heaven, but I realize now that I can't be good enough. But Jesus was, and He did my work for me. And we would love to see you start a journey with Jesus this morning. I'm going to pray. And as I'm praying, if you're praying for salvation, then here's what I'm asking you to do. There's a card in the chair, on the chair in front of you. And on that card, the best box on that card is today I'm choosing to follow Jesus. Today I'm rededicating my life to Jesus. And if you check that, I just want you to drop that card on your way out. You can drop it in the offering box. Or you can come give it to me, and we'll pray together. Make that decision. Father, in your name, Lord, we pray that you would give us the ability to trust you that if we do less, you'll do more. It's not a call to laziness. It's a call to trust. That we will be charged up by your spirit. Our souls will be so refreshed that we'll get more done in the next six days. And then we get to hang out with you again. And so, Lord, all these that raise their hands, I just speak your peace over them, God. I pray for them to find Sabbath rest in you practically in their calendar. That you would give them insights and downloads about when and how they can practice Sabbath. That as they start somewhere, you would take them to places that only you know of yet. We want to be Chick-fil-A. We just want to be people that shine as an example that if we trust you with one of the days of the week, you'll increase our productivity over six. God, as believers, we want to trust that when we give you this time in worship, when we abandon ourselves to your presence, and it calls all the resources of heaven into our lives. There is power in worship. And we thank you for it. Thank you for the work of Jesus on the cross. That in his work we can say our striving is finished. He is our hope of salvation. For those that pray that prayer this morning, God, that make a decision to follow you for the first time or a recommitment again. God, I just pray your joy would fill their lives, that they couldn't get out of here fast enough to tell family and friends what you did for them this morning here. In your name, Jesus.